Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome back, friends, to our Triune Pod. Nick and Ben here. Nick, what's been giving you joy lately? Well, unfortunately, you are not here by my side. I'm looking at you uh, on a screen, so that's not bringing me joy. Um, well, uh, you know, run me a couple couple TV shows. I feel like my love for Hundred Foot Wave has been vindicated. Have you been reading any of the press about that or hearing anything? No, about but that? when I was in Raleigh, I, some of your people told me about it, and they were gushing about it. So yeah, but um, yeah, so that ended, and it, the ending, the last episode was incredible. So I do feel vindicated there. Uh, I've been watching the show, not a new show, but I think it's coming back for a fourth season. Uh, Fauda, I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's the Arabic word for. Uh, crisis maybe or chaos chaos have you seen that not at all it's a it's um it's like the best version of homeland it's about a oh. um idf or israeli defense force like undercover unit that is trying to i mean i'll just say it like it is hunt down uh hamas terrorists in the gaza strip so i think it's public politics or like definitely one-sided but uh as a tv show man it is it is awesome fair enough fair enough yeah it's like relentlessly masculine like it is just like <laughs> dudes hunting people i was reading an article about the show and i guess there's this term that is used to describe like um it's like a critique of like a israeli politics and Israeli kind of culture representing those politics shooting and crying have you heard that phrase is not a great oh. phrase it's basically like how soldiers are kind of forced to do things that the, that kind of moral injury and then so like shooting and then crying and that's like the tenor of the show like they do these terrible things the, the show does not present the Israeli soldiers as like morally blameless like that's for sure but it is made by you know Israeli. So I'm sure people in Palestine don't always appreciate it, but um, it's, it's pretty, it, it's like, it's heart stopping. Like they, they end the episodes on amazing cliffhangers and it has like that. I just want to keep watching this. I, and they're only like 30 minute episodes. So it's kind of like those early 24 days, another problematic show where you're just like, I have to keep going. <laughs> this is awesome. It's four o'clock in the morning. Ah, yeah, exactly. let's just, let's not go to sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah. My wife went to bed like nine hours ago. I'm like, Oh, I'll be up soon. <laughs> so would you say it's as good as the first two seasons of Homeland? which are the only two seasons I watched because season three yeah. was not uh, so good. I think so. I mean, it's much more like taut. Like it has a much smaller frame of reference and there's very little interest in anything that is not about the unit in, in the unit's mission. So I, I like it for that reason. And there's no like, you know, two episode long diatribes on like Carrie's fragile mental health, which like just torpedoed the show. Even on season two, it was a little weird, but yeah. Well, I have been watching a show called Hip Hop Evolution. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> which, um, yeah, it's actually been, I've only watched a couple episodes and there were four seasons. Um, but uh, 
yeah, it's really interesting learning the history of hip hop, the kind of debated history of rap and hip hop. And watching the show, it, it was really interesting. So obviously Kanye West Donda has recently come out and critics are a little bit mixed on that. And uh, in our own time right now, we we saw the beef between Kanye and Drake. And I guess by the time this episode's aired, Drake's new album will be released and we can see who won the battle, whose album was better. Uh, but watching the show, I you, you see Ice-T, Ice Cube, um, NWA, and they're all talking about their influences. And when they talk about their influences, they give credit where credit is due. They'll even say, like, you know, everyone has said, I am responsible for this, but I wasn't. I learned it from this guy. Just so much props given. Um, but what's interesting is the show goes on, you you hear about these beefs, uh, you know, Biggie and Tupac. I just mentioned Kanye and Drake. But And what's interesting about that is you can recognize the greatness of those who've gone before you, but the greatness of your contemporary, uh, they're a threat to you. They're your rival. And I mean, we see that everywhere, right? Maybe even in our own lives, <laughs> you know? Um, if the preacher down the road, who's a really good sermon writer, were alive 20 years ago, I'd be like, oh man, that, guy, that preacher is great. But because they're at the church down the road, I'm like, oh, they suck. Or, <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, my, the example that comes to mind for the few theology nerds listening is uh, Karl Barth and Emil Bruner. I'm not even sure if I'm saying the second guy's name right, but you know, they have this big rivalry where they are two of the most important theologians of the 20th century. And if Karl Barth would have been alive, you know, 30 years earlier, they probably would have liked each other. And that phenomenon to me, has just been really interesting. Well, to ask the question, our, our 17 listeners are asking right now, uh, Ben, who are you beefing with, man? Who is, who are you, who's your rival? I mean, after visiting you and Raleigh, you a little bit. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, was, I was very impressed. Uh, I was there this past Sunday, uh, which will be the Sunday before that for you guys. Um, and during COVID time, it was it was packed. It was it was full, not like recklessly. So I mean, people were distanced, people were wearing masks. <laughs> full disclosure, let me say that. Yeah, I mean, um, luckily, I luckily, like... the MAGA flags were not out that Sunday. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but believe it or not, people in Raleigh, North Carolina, everyone was wearing a mask. So stop hating on the South. Uh, but yeah, up in New York, I mean, it is maybe because it's the epicenter of the pandemic for the US. We have just, it's been really hard to get people to come back. And uh, speaking of comparing, it, Jake and I have felt better about ourselves because we feel like we're doing better than the church down the road or our fellow Episcopal churches in New York City. But it's still like a fraction of what we had in you know March 2020. So you're my yeah. rabbit now. That's good, man. Well, the narcissism of small differences rears its ugly head mm -hmm. once again. Uh, man, Kanye, Drake, if you're listening, that's what it is. All right, so let's get to the comics. And it goes like this. Oh God, because without you, we are not able to please you. Mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, Nick, what does this colic mean? What does it mean? Well, let's let's talk for a second about the forum. Uh the form F O R M. Uh, this, I think this is a, this is definitely a top 10, maybe even be a top five colleagues for me personally. And I, wow. I'm a big fan of the like Hemingway prose style, like very 
direct and assertive. And I think the way this, the way it starts, it's so striking. Um, oh God, because without you, we are not able to please you. I think this is one of those first colics that kind of just seared it, 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 it into my brain when I was first going to prayer book churches, because it's, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm alone in this, but I feel like it's such a memorable and striking opening. Um, and what it presents, uh, and this is the first thing we might talk about. Well, actually, let's let's talk about this second. But but let me uh, let me finish. So it, it presents this high kind of conundrum, almost like this circular logic. We are saying, in effect, that without the presence of God, we are unable to please God, or without the aid of God, we are unable to please God. It takes God to love God, as like First John says. So I think it is. A biblical truth in the ascription, but it, it raises these like kind of both philosophical and much more existential questions. Like, um, God wants us to please him, but we also need God's help to please him. So how does that work itself out, you know, in, in daily life? Right. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tension. Yeah, no, I'm looking for you to solve that. Well, that, okay. I will. Um, no, I, I do not, but I think what the real heart of the colic, and I think maybe we'll end by solving that grand existential problem. But the heart of the collect is the actual request. Um, we ask that God would mercifully grant his Holy Spirit to, in all things, direct and rule our hearts. Because we recognize that without God, we are unable to please God. We ask for the presence of God to, in all things, direct and rule our hearts. Now, I don't want to bore our listeners with a history lesson. And I realize the more times we say the prayer without it being in front of you, the harder it is to follow along in the prayer. It's in the show notes. You can uh, follow along. That's great. Um, but in the um, the version of this colic that is in the like more quote unquote binding authoritative versions of the prayer book, like the 1662 prayer book, there is actually a, I think a pretty substantive, subtle, but substantive change in the request. So where we say, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. The way the prayer originally read was this, grant that the working of thy mercy may in all things direct and rule our hearts. So instead of the Holy Spirit directing and ruling, it's God's mercy hmm. directing and ruling our hearts, which I think that is a much more, it's, it's much more easy to imagine how that works in everyday life. Um, because I think what the the older version of this prayer is saying is that it is the mercy of God. It is the grace of God. It is God's love and God's boundless compassion for me, a very sinful human being, that love that breaks through that finds a way where there is no way that is what softens us. And that is what it sways us and inspires us and enables us to live a life pleasing to God. I mean, we all know that this is true in relationships, right? Like the when my wife extends grace to me, when I very much do not deserve it, that engenders this desire to actually live in a way that is pleasing and, and helpful to her. And I think in, it goes the same in our ultimate relationship with God is when we are centered or riveted to God's expressions of mercy seen in the cross, we have this profound expulsive affection that orients us to the Lord. So it's, you know, the Holy Spirit, of course, we want to talk about the spirit and directing and ruling, but I actually like the older words, grant that the working of thy mercy may in all things direct and rule our hearts. It's when that is on video and everything else is on audio, when that's in color and everything else in, is in black and white, that's when I think the Christian life really works. 
So it's like when I go to a movie and the end of the movie, I unexpectedly have a lump in my throat because it's just, I see a picture of grace or I see this picture of love. And even if it's just for the remainder of that movie, it makes me want to love or want to be a better person. Is that kind of what you're saying? That mercy engendering love or? No, totally. I mean, I think one way to kind of paraphrase and translate this prayer in a much less elegant way is to say, God, you know, may the, the, the word of, of the gospel, the word of unmerited favor have such resonance in my soul and such influence in my soul that I would live a life that is pleasing to you. Um, you know, it's that, it's that notion of the penny dropping and, and God's unmerited one-way love, like really hitting home. That's what produces this new desire to love. I mean, we've, we've talked about variations of this almost every episode, because it's kind of what we believe to be most true about our faith. But I think it, again, is like this, this gospel truth kind of embedded in the logic of the prayer. That's great. I want to ask you how that connects to the, how, you know, without him, we're not able to please him, but I do think it's interesting that in an even older version of this collect, the ordering is very different. Um, the prayer in an older version says, direct our hearts, O Lord, we beseech you by the working of your mercy for without you, we are not able to please you. And in this version that gets flip-flopped, we have, you know, for without you, we are not able to please you. And then we have our ask and some have noted, and I think they're probably right, that the reason why Cranmer, Thomas Cranmer, the assembler of the first Book of Common Prayer, flips this order is to show us or to double down on our inability. Um, he wants to like make sure, well, you know, listener, that you're not able to please God without God. And that is especially why we need this gift of mercy, this directing and ruling uh, even just to love God, let alone to please God. Uh, so I found that to be pretty interesting. The, the reason we say this prayer in this way is we know it doubled out, doubles down on the fact that we can't do this on our own and is even more so ramming that home, rule us, direct us by your mercy. So my question for you is, so yeah, how does all of this come together? Kind of what you hinted at earlier. Yeah. I mean, I hinted at that. I didn't have any actual idea of how I was going to do all this, but um, <laughs> he, was, he was hoping it would come. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping it would come. And thus far it is not. Um, well, I think another way of, of putting what you just said is like, it's a law gospel thing. You know, the, the truth that we are unable to please God without God is, um, a biblical truth, it's not necessarily good news, right? It's something that is indicting and it exposes our um, frailty, but it doesn't engender the, like, it doesn't get us through the impasse. It just yeah. kind of- In fact, it's like kind of offensive on some yeah, level. It definitely is. Yeah, it definitely is. A, yeah, to whatever degree you believe in your unaided human power to please God, it is offensive, mm -hmm. or at least it cuts against God, that kind of human aspiration to be God or to be like God. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the law. It's, it's a true word. It's a good word, but it's not a like salutary word. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I think the, I guess what I would say, not so much in terms of logic, but in terms of experience that the, that kind of philosophical puzzle gets solved concretely in the experience of grace and the experience of being loved. Because I think when, when God's mercy is, is 
operative and, and influential in your soul, those types of those types of big theological questions, I guess, like the volume gets turned down on them a little bit. And when the mercy of God is indeed ruling and directing you, I like, I like those, the, both of those words, right. Rule and direct it's one rule, you know, it's, it's one thing to know the good. It's another thing to have the power to do the good. And I think rule to me speaks of knowing the good direct speaks of like influence towards the good. And when the, and when the mercy of God is operative, it's, it's the, it's on video and everything else is on audio. You're not as concerned about the, the kind of the tension of the, of the ascription that we, it takes God to love God, or we need God's help to please God. We know that the help of God has broken through in human history in the death and resurrection of Jesus and everything else just becomes secondary in some ways when you're secure in that grace and that good news. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's quote Paul's all one more time because we haven't done that enough on this podcast. Uh, but he talks about how, by definition, God can only be pleased by someone like Him. Um, that He can only commune with someone like Him, and uh, we we talk about this like infinite gulf between God and humanity um, by virtue of our sin, also by virtue of our our being. And what actually is kind of good news, I think, about this prayer, and especially with that line that is, you know, so, I mean, just confusing, is that God brings us by some miracle, by the work of the cross, to his level, um, that we can actually commune with God, this transcendent one, this one that is, you know, this, the language kind of is it's hard to come up with, but who's so much bigger and better than us. And yet this collect is saying we can please God. Um, we, by virtue of what Christ has done, he's made us like himself, like his son, even when we don't look like his son, which is more often the case. And I think this is kind of what we've talked about in the past, but you've mentioned before that imputation that Christ is giving us himself, even though that hasn't been fully realized. Yeah. So I think there's some good news there with this colleague. Yeah. I mean that, yeah. I mean, I think to use kind of technical terms, that's why like not technical terms, but like, that's why you can never separate the person of Jesus from the work of Jesus because mm. in, in God, father, son, and Holy spirit, the, the question of does God accept sinners has like already been answered once and for all. Like that's what the resurrection is all about. Right. Like God determining to be God, even for, the cursed one, the God man, you know? So I think that, that notion of human beings having a space in God and a place in the heart of God, despite their sinfulness, you know, has been answered once and for all. And so God has kind of made a way permanently for frail cursed human beings to find their way into the beloved. I mean, that's like the heart of our faith, you know, and like, regardless of what mechanism or theory of atonement you want to offer as a way of explaining how it all works. Like in the simplest form, God became a human being, that human being received the full curse of the law. And that same human being heard God's resounding yes on Easter Sunday. And that means we as human beings under the curse of sin will hear that yes, or have heard that yes already in him. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost as if God is looking at us, God who is outside of time he is looking at us 
almost in a way like we're already made in, perfect. We're yeah. already made righteous, uh, even though right now we are, we have a, you know, a foot in the pool and a foot on the ground, righteous, unrighteous together. And yet, you know, like communing with like God is looking at us from the eschaton. So to yeah. Speak, which yeah. Is really I mean, cool. Oh, that's cool. I mean, that's like, that's kind of my, this is there's, there's everyone has their own shorthand descriptions of the gospel. But I, for me, the one that I kind of makes the most sense is like, yeah, everything that's true of Jesus is becoming true of me. And so everything that is true of Jesus now and his life in the triune, whatever eternity thing is like going to become true of me. And in the same way that Jesus lives this, you know, perfectly whole life in the love of God, like that's kind of already true of me now in some abstract sense, but will one day become very true of me, you know, when we are with the Lord. May it be so. Praise out. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray the old version. I know it's confusing, but just because that's the one that we've talked the most about. Oh God, for as much as without thee, we are not able to please thee. Grant that the working of thy mercy may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. How about that episode of our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast.